record to the cloud. And it tells me that it is recording now. So I want to welcome our listeners to uh, Building Bridges, uh, the podcast that uh, my friends and I uh, have been leading for uh, a few months now. Uh, Ray Pearson and uh, Jan Watkin, uh, and I'm Luis Sanchez, and we're all three uh, graduates of the 1972 uh, Huntington Park High School class. Uh, we're linked uh, by that common destiny. We're also linked because of our uh, determination to help to model and promote civil discourse, and that's what this podcast is about. Ray would describe himself as a fairly conservative Republican. Uh, Jan would describe herself as a fairly progressive Democrat. I'm the curmudgeon independent in the middle. Uh, and so we span an array of viewpoints on most of the political topics today. Uh, but our point here is not to find agreement. It's to discuss those viewpoints on the topical issues of the day uh, and find a way to talk with each other. And even when we disagree, to find a way to stay connected as, as friends uh, and fellow Americans. We were talking before the podcast started about the, the danger that we all see uh, in the uh, decline of civil discourse across the nation. It seems to us that there are camps uh, that are so uh, tribal in their constitution that they now just see the world in terms of winning or losing and allowing no space uh, for common dialogue, for, uh, for just finding ways to engage with each other as Americans unless you happen to share the exact same viewpoints as that tribe. And we think that's really dangerous. Uh, and so we're trying to uh, model a third way here. Today's topic, we're gonna uh, mostly devote to uh, the honoring the, the, uh, the, the significant occasion that today is, is September 11th, exactly 20 years after the national calamity uh, on 2001. Uh, so we'll spend time talking about that. But before we pivot to that subject, there's also uh, a recall election taking place in California. So I'm just gonna start today's podcast by asking my friends uh, to summarize their own views on the recall. Should we uh, recall Governor Gavin Newsom? Uh, yes or no, and why? And if you are choosing to recall him, then uh, who would you vote for in his place? Uh, I'll start with Ray. You wanna start with me? Um... It's great to have everybody back uh, who is listening, and I, we hope uh, that you share with your friends um, about respectful discourse and how we're, we really care about the future of our country and the world. But it's just start with our country, uh, that we know how to disagree with each other in a respectful way. And, and I, I'm grateful to the teachers and those who modeled it back in the day in Huntington Park High School and even Gage Junior High, if you will, how, how to disagree and even argue with each other in a respectful way. So I think it's, a, it's great to, to tie the governor's recall to 9-11. And here's how I like to tie this in. And, and I will give you a straight answer on uh, recall of Governor Newsom or not, is that um, I still feel strongly about a democracy and I feel very strongly about our forefathers' ability to see what was missing in a country, in a state, um, and not model what was happening in Europe at that time in terms of theocracies and monarchies and not having the United States uh, pivot that way, that direction, 
Ingo in terms of democracy. And so 9-11 was an attack uh, from terrorists that believe in their way or the highway um, in terms of their version of radical Islam, not moderate Islam, not to a lot of what the Quran really uh, talks about, but their interpretation of that. And the people that they murdered in those Twin Towers and the people who were still dying from the effects of the Twin Towers were victims of somebody who was trying to say, the United States is in the way of us having a, uh, a, a way of conquering the world with a one-way uh, approach, or at least in our country, we don't want democracy. We don't want the influence of a democracy. We want to control people in that way. So when I see the, the, the connection with the recall, I feel there's, uh, there is uh, some of that sentiment, um, even though that may, may not be the intent, it gets interpreted that way on issues with this governor in terms of that way. And I voted for the uh, recall of it and not on a partisan basis. I really had to, to look at what the governor, how the governor has um, um, addressed issues like, let's just say COVID. And I thought he started off well because you know, the first job is to keeping everybody safe. But I think he pivoted back to not engaging with all the stakeholders in terms of having them participate in the process. And therefore, it, it, it perception, and even I perception was my way or the highway type of thing. And even today, I see some of that. So, um, you know, I vote for, the, for that. I also think uh, some failure in um, philosophy pre-COVID on homelessness. I mean, I think people in Los Angeles are sick and tired of being sick and tired, and they want some other types of solutions uh, on homeless. And I'm talking about humane, not just not inhumane ways of solving the problem, as do people are starting to question the, uh, uh, the solutions like in big cities like San Francisco, San Diego. But we're doing that here, even in Carlsbad. And some of that philosophy and way of approaching and even funding came out of Governor Newsom. So, you know, if you really search around other states and other cities who have alleviated chronic homelessness, um, you'll see some um, case study that could be applied to California and to some of the cities in California. So that's where I'm at. Um, hopefully I gave a straight answer, Luis. Well, did, do you want to tell us who you support then? For Oh, um, so I am former mayor of uh, San Diego. Kevin Faulkner. Yes. Okay. And the reason right. I do that is, and I, I think I, I, I want to explain that very quickly, is that he was elected mayor in a city that a higher Democratic registration, and he's a Republican. But he addressed issues that crossed over partisanship. And when he was mayor of San Diego, he was able to work with, if you will, both sides of the aisle. I think whoever replaces the governor, the current governor, Newsom, uh, has to understand just 
you know, you don't have a belly, uh, a bully pulpit just to scream and yell your stuff. You're going to have to work with both sides. Otherwise, you're not solving the people's business in Sacramento. And you are hired to solve problems and work with difference of, this, of opinion. And I see him, he's exhibited that in San Diego. And so I want somebody who is in Sacramento who can take both sides issue. I'm, I'm a little old school growing up when I saw that when I was growing up, that was how Sacramento worked. And the product that came out of it was a good product. I'm not sure we're seeing the best product in uh, Sacramento these days. And I don't wanna say all issues, but a lot of the big ones are not coming because not both sides are engaged on a, a product that both sides say, oh, okay, well, I can vote for that. I can compromise. The word compromise is, is no longer, I hear, in Sacramento. So, and I think the mayor uh, Faulkner could do that in Sacramento. And so if I read you correctly, you also gave us a little insight into who you would not vote for as a, as a alternative to yes. your new assembly. But let's pass it over to Jan and your thoughts. Yeah, well, I have very different thoughts about the recall. Um, I, I really believe that the recall here in California is a result of the Republican Party pumping a lot of money into this recall um, effort. Um, I think they, they did a very good job. I will commend them on it uh, to get the signatures and to get it on the ballot. I think we're wasting an incredible amount of money on an election, that, a recall election that doesn't need to be happening. Um, I think our, our resources would be better spent on uh, you know, the fires that we have going on, the, home, the unhoused people here uh, in California, um, the water situation, which is really critical at this point for a lot of the agricultural parts of the state. But no, we're spending a lot of money on a recall election. And the primary person running um, for election is Larry Elder. And the way I look at it is that if anyone is going to vote for anybody but Gavin Newsom, who is already in office, um, if they vote for Larry, if they don't vote for Larry Elder, they'll be voting for Larry Elder. Um, and I, I see him as a very dangerous man. I don't see him, Ray, working with the state legislators. I don't see him working with the judicial system in the, in the state. Um, I think he's a misogynist. I don't think that he will do anything for unhoused people on, in the state. I think his, his uh, uh, ambition is to run for higher office. And he has some very dangerous um, radical views in, in a conservative fashion uh, that I think that people aren't really looking at. So I, I, I'm totally against this recall election. I think it was a well done effort by the Republican party to try to turn California into a Republican state. That will help in 2024 um, for the presidential election and for the con congressional uh, you know, elections as well. So I think it's really a strategic um, move on the Republicans' part. I don't think it has anything to do with California and, and uh, Californians and what we are trying to do in this state and our issues and our problems. I think the money could be better spent some, somewhere else and the energy spent on other things. All right, before we, uh, we turn to 9-11 then, I'll just share that I, I voted also, as Jan did, not to recall Governor Newsom. I don't, I don't have as impassioned of a defense of Governor Newsom as Jan might. I, he's a little slick for me, to be honest. And uh, <laughs> 
And I'm not a Democrat because I think the instinct of the Democratic Party is to spend a lot of money and try to fix every social problem that we have. And that's not my, those are not my reflexes or my convictions. But I, to be honest, Ray, I just don't trust today's Republican Party. I don't trust the voter suppression efforts in, in, uh, in so many of the, of the states. Uh, and if I were, you give me hope for the Republican Party that there are people that are principled and decent and want to restore integrity, but that's not what I see from so much of the leadership of the Republican Party. So until it finds its soul, I'm voting Democrat much more than I would care to. Uh, and I hope that the Republican Party start to find a way to seek out independents like me who actually believe in fiscal conservatism, individual responsibility, uh, but a basic uh, decency uh, and, uh, uh, and, and the rights of people to vote. Um, so to 9-11 then, uh, some issues where I think we have lots in common. Let's just start off with pedestrian. What are your recollections of that date? What were you doing on 9-11 when you heard the news? Ray, I'll start with you again. You know, it's a, a, a solemn, solemn, excuse me, pause as we're doing this podcast because it is September 11th, it's the 20th year, 20th anniversary. Um, I have Jewish family background and, and what's important for me from my background, even though I, I, I you know, I'm, sec I'm only second generation American, is, is always to remember, never forget. And I, I'm so glad that no matter, I don't watch much, uh, I don't watch much televised news anymore, except when I work, work out at the gym and, and do that only because it's not my version of what I learned from when I was a journalist uh, student in high school, that it's who, what, where, when, and why it's, it's not that anymore. It's just, it's all about editorial. So, um, and ratings. So um, I was glad to see that uh, no matter what station that they were covering what was going on in New York City. And I was very much moved by the uh, reading of the, it's even hard, I get a little choked up on this, but the reading of the names of the people who were lost um, on that day um, to do that. Um, that being said, Louise and Jan, is that, um, you know, we, the next generations um, that weren't around 20 years ago, it's so important, you know, and as a school board member, I haven't asked the question, but I have a school board meeting next week, I will ask the question, um, are we, are we teaching about 9-11? Um, are we teaching the facts about 9-11 and not editorializing what really happened, just so the next, the generation don't forget. It's the worst thing. Um, and the truth is we should never forget the Holocaust because the human condition that caused the Holocaust, the human condition uh, can repeat itself. And we've seen history repeat itself many times uh, here in this world. And it would be uh, unfortunate to have another 9-11. It'd be unfortunate. Uh, and we've had occasions ever since World War II where um, similarities to the Holocaust have happened in different parts of the world. And as an American, I'm glad at times we've stood up and said, no, 
we're not going to let this happen. And then other times when we haven't, uh, I have been displeased by us not doing that. So um, where I was at, I was uh, just getting up uh, from bed and uh, we turned on the news and all of a sudden there was these reports coming out and you could see the plane, uh, the plane, they were showing the visuals in New York City of the Twin Towers, the first tower anyway, of the plane actually hitting the tower. And I think I was in shock in, in the moment. And then it became reality to me, this is not a put on, this is real. And as they're reporting it, uh, we were being attacked very similar to Pearl Harbor. And it's just, um, I, I realized we're being attacked. And, um, you know, I knew there was gonna be a response. I knew the president of the United States had uh, a responsibility to the country to respond. And I wasn't sure what, how we were going to spawn to this. And then it, it just cascaded to Second Tower, uh, Shankville. Uh, you know, they were on their way to either attack the Pentagon or the White House at the same time. You know, and um, I, I got beyond disbelief. And it was like, okay, um, I think we're going to end up going to war with somebody at this thing. And that war is never a great solution. But at some point, you have to go to war, and and um, you know it's unfortunate. I knew I knew American lives were going to be lost, even greater than um, through this whole thing, and it was uh, it was sadness. So I was I was just getting up. Um, it brought tears to my eyes, but also resolve as an American um, that um, you know these people didn't deserve to die this way, and it was very visual to see how, you know, people jumping out of windows and that, and I go, oh my God, um, you know, and that, that was my response. How about you, Jan? Do you, what do you remember about that day? Um, I had just stopped working out and uh, I went to the gym. I got back from the gym and got a phone call from my partner who was up in um, Ventura uh, because her mother had just fallen down a flight of stairs and had broken her neck. And so she had traveled up there to be with her mom and get her care and all of that. And she called me when I walked in the door, I, I got this phone call that she said, turn on the TV. I turned on the TV and she was sitting there in Ventura with her mom and some other friends, I think were there. And um, I turned on the TV and saw the first tower fall. Um, I was... I was speechless. I was anxious, scared for what was happening, not knowing what was happening. And then, you know, successive planes started, you know, land uh, crashing at other places, the, the Pentagon, the, the second tower. I didn't even know at that point about uh, Shanksville, uh, but they kept putting up the map of all the planes that were being diverted to Nova Scotia and Canada and different places to land to get the airspace clear. And uh, we were both just very emotional. And she got in her car and her truck and drove home so we could be together. She had her mom taken care of, she was being, you know, taken care of medically and all that. And um, she drove home as fast as she could without any sleep to get here. Um, and I think that it, it shook me to my core. Uh, 
because I didn't know what else was going to happen. Is LA going to be the next? Where, you know, is this going to be something that is even broader than New York City and Washington, D.C. and, and Pennsylvania? Where, where is it going to end? Um, and I, I felt some PTSD from it um, for probably a good six months. It just shook me to my core. I did not feel safe in our country. And I remember growing up at Liberty Elementary School doing our duck and cover stuff, mm -hmm. you know, those drills that we had and the alarm that would go off once a week at, I mean, once a month at 10 o'clock in the morning. And we all had to cover our heads and get under our desk and be away from the windows in case there was a bright, a bright flash, in case someone bombed us you know, with an atomic bomb or something. And it brought back all of that to me, that huddling in the hallways or under our desks, covering our head, looking away from the windows, not knowing what was gonna happen. So that profoundly affected me emotionally. And then when I started hearing from friends about their, their mother being, seeing the plane go right past her uh, condo uh, in Manhattan, um, and feeling the vibration of the planes hitting mm -hmm. and her running down the street to the church to try to help. I, I heard all these stories. Uh, it, it hit even closer to home, you know? So it was a very sad uh, period of time for me. And uh, something I won't ever forget. Something like on, the, on the, the scale of when Kennedy was assassinated, that sort of scale. You know, Ray, Ray drew a comparison to uh, Pearl Harbor, and, and mm -hmm. it's an apt comparison because that was the last time we remembered being uh, attacked domestically, yeah. uh, uh, at least in, in, in that scale. I, I remember getting ready for work, and I was teaching in those days at Sierra Community College up in Rockland, and I actually uh, tried to hold class thinking we were going to get through the material, but of course students wanted nothing to do with anything other than the big news of the day. But the, the interesting thing was, and maybe it shouldn't have been surprising, that there, instead of just staying home, a lot of students really wanted a place to be where they could talk to other people about what was happening and try to make some sense of it. But if there, were, if there was a silver lining at the time in that uh, horrible tragedy, it was that for a moment in time, we were all Americans, we were united as a nation uh, and even the divisions, uh, you know, uh, Rudy Giuliani was mayor of New York City and, and President Bush spoke to the nation and uh, even other, uh, other nations uh, identified as Americans for that day. It didn't last very long. And my next question will turn to what are the lessons that we've learned 20 years later from that, uh, including the, the long war in Afghanistan from which we just withdrew. Um, but for, at least for that moment in time, uh, it reminded us that there, there is something that we share in common that is greater than these divisions that are ripping us apart at the moment. Um, so I'll pass uh, back to Ray. This is 20 years later now, Ray, and, and it's a disservice to talk about the subject and, and just leap forward 20 years, but takeaways from that uh, momentous occasion 20 years after the fact. So um, I, I want to hope, and I think if I study that, that, they, that another terrorist group could not uh, repeat the ability, um, the scale of doing that again. Um, I mean, I think the facts were 
that those who commandeer the planes and those who pilot the plane got their training in Florida at a um, at a place where you know it's a private where if you want to be a pilot and they they learned how to fly uh, all that um, so I'm I'm hoping that and you know I think I think I'm clear that that part of we learn from that that not to repeat the same thing over again. Um, however, there, there's a broader there was a broader issue um, when we is not making mistakes on intelligence about and making uh, mistakes on uh, invading uh, other places uh, and rationalizing uh, that because you think that, but in fact, they are truly a threat to our country and uh, to do that. And so I think the lesson is the, our intelligence community uh, has to be united. And I think after 9-11, uh, there was some movement on making sure that our intelligence community were not working in separate silos, uh, that they share intelligence together uh, to do that. I also uh, think it's important uh, that uh, we're always vigilant. Uh, there are just some groups of people in this world that want to destroy our ideology as, as an, an American ideology because they see it as a threat uh, to their ideology uh, to do that. That's not nothing new. I mean, wars have been fought over this and continue to be fought over uh, differences in ideology. I, I think the other lesson to learn from this is, and you, you started with Luis, is about Afghanistan. Um, once we destroyed the threat in Afghanistan, we should have left. And I'll give credit to the first Bush president why he did not, F, why did he did not continue on and uh, to Iraq because Frankly, in that neck of the world, even if we didn't agree, they were a stabilizing force with Iran <laughs> at that way. And, and you know, I, I don't understand this because I'm an American, but I do understand about uh, stabilizing uh, environments and political environments. And I, I disagreed with the invasion of Iraq on false intelligence and false premises. And they've come out in movies and everything else to that, uh, to do that. So I think some of the lessons from 9-11 are that we, you know, we've got amazing technology today. We've got ways of keeping on top of threats for this, to this country. I'm a big prevention person. You know, I, I, I spend a lot of time on prevention and preventing things, both as a school board member and some of the boards I sit on to do that. And we should continue. And as we see what's happening in Afghanistan, um, finally pulling out. And by the way, there's, it's not about Republican and Democrat. But there's been variety of both Republicans who've said that they're gonna pull out of Afghanistan. And we have, I don't agree with the way it was executed. But when you look at the history of Afghanistan, it's a tribal, I mean, <laughs> millenniums, not even centuries, millenniums 
no one has ever been able to conquer, no matter how you spin it, Afghanistan. It's just a tribal thing. I don't even have a lot of confidence the Taliban will be able to unite under the Taliban because it's so tribal there. But you know, the thing we need to do is keep an eye on terrorists who want to still kill Americans because of our ideology and be on top of that in our, our, not only our intelligence community, but the world intelligence community and unite with them. I mean, I think there was a moment, I think Janie alluded to it. There was a moment in time, maybe Louise, she did. There was a moment in time when our, our country and Russia and even China after 9-11 had some uh, agreement that um, because they lost some of their nationals in those. There was Chinese nationals and Russian nationals that died in 9-11. And so they didn't think that was the best way to solve. And we were united, at least the intelligence communities, on doing that. Now, well, now that's a whole different subject. And I don't think I'm mandy-pandy, I mean, about this. Um, you know, everybody wants to be the king, not everybody, but certain nations want to be king of the sandbox you know, and they want to be the king of the hill. And we're still in that kind of world environment uh, to do that. So we, we have to, there's that side we have to, and there are just some people that really want to, um, really want to take down our ideology in a, in a way we do uh, things here in the United States. So I'll stop there. Hopefully I did uh, react. I probably took it a little further than that. No, I appreciate that, Ray. And I'm, Jan, I'll start. Uh, the general question is takeaways 20 years later, but I'm going to start with that, that uh, somewhat small point about the, the execution of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, for which President Biden, I think, has received some legitimate criticism. I don't think that the, that the way that we withdrew from Afghanistan, I think it left much to be desired. And I don't think, I, I think President Biden's a really decent man, by the way, but I don't think he did himself any service the way that he tried to explain it without ever just rec reckoning with the fact that we really could have done that a lot better. What do you think? Yeah, and I think that it could have done better, but I also believe that the people that were in Afghanistan, and maybe some of them still are Americans, um, they knew that the withdrawal was coming and yet they did not yes. in a timely fashion with their families or with colleagues. They waited until the last minute. And I think that they did the Afghanistan personnel who worked with the Americans, I think they did them a very, very deep disservice. Because if the Americans had left when they knew that the withdrawal was going to happen, you know, they had a couple of months to be able to, you know, gather up their, their, you know, personnel, their stuff, and, and, and leave it an exit so that the Afghanistan personnel who are now quite endangered, um, could leave. I just think that was a poor choice. And that was an individual choice. I don't think, I don't think a presidential decree uh, that you know, we're, going to, we're going to leave Afghanistan could have made anyone leave because there are still Americans there and now they wanna come out. Mm -hmm. So now we're negotiating with the Taliban to, uh, to allow these Americans and allies to, to leave. Um, I'm just glad we're out. It should never have happened in the first place. If we needed to do something about terrorism in, in Afghanistan, I think we could have chosen a, 
a more exacting way of dealing with it instead of ruining a, a country and 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 uh, Iraq too. But um, what I learned as soon as the towers dropped, and as soon as I knew what was happening in New York and Washington, I started to think about what is going to happen next. I remember thinking this very clearly. And what I learned in the last 20 years because of 9-11 is that war generates a lot of money for a handful of people and a handful of corporations and a handful of companies. And I think really that's what this war has been about. It's been about greed. I don't know that that was George Bush's idea when he gave an order to invade a country, but nonetheless, some of the colleagues of Vice President Cheney and some of his cohorts, Ashcroft, um, they stood to benefit from it greatly. And that's the cost of war. It's, it's human lives, but it's also a commitment to greed. And I think that, I think that that's what has, has run this war for 20 years. We wanna think of it as patriotism. We wanna think of it as going after the bad guys, but really I think a big component of it is American greed. And I see that as, as something that is going to undermine our democracy at some point. All right, so I, may stand, I might stand alone in my uh, inclination that um, I, I'm not positive I would have withdrawn from Afghanistan. I, I am inclined to believe that we're better, that the, the state of terrorism is gonna be, is going to persist in this world forever, uh, that we're never gonna wipe it out and that it's better to uh, defend our national interests abroad than it is here domestically. So I'm less sure about the decision to withdraw than I think uh, either of you two are. But thank you for those thoughts. One last thing I'd like to say before we um, begin to end this, the podcast for today, and that is that although I'm you know, profoundly moved by the loss of life in 9-11, and that's really the point of today's observance, I'm even more uh, moved by all of the first responders who didn't have to be there, who rushed into this building and, and gave up yes. their lives in order to save the lives of others. So that, that in some ways means even, even more to me about today's observance. Yes. Uh, I didn't, didn't pose any personal questions today, so I'm just gonna ask Ray for a final round before we close the podcast for today. If there's anything else you'd like to share with us. Louis, I'm so glad that you mentioned our first responders, uh, that they, uh, they weren't worried about their personal safety, obviously, and that's why a lot of them lost their lives. Um, and with all due respect to my high school classmate, Jan Watkins, we, we, we absolutely disagree. Uh, greed is um, unfortunately uh, comes with a lot of the human condition all over the world uh, to do that. But I, I agreed with the invasion of Afghanistan to get rid of the terrorist and a government that was supporting terrorists at the time. And the only way to do it is to remove them. And that was a direct threat on us and our allies. But I will tell you this, because we're really, you know, besides disagreeing with that, um, I, I absolutely uh, share the sentiments of 
the three of us today about uh, what those types of impacts have on us and uh, personally and our families and our friends uh, to do that. And um, if we can avoid war on solving our differences, and I see what we're trying to do as part of the process of avoiding wars. You know, we three could have not done this and just said, you know, I don't agree with Jan. She's progressive Democrat and they're all da, 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 that or chose this route and said, we differ on other things, but let's try also to find common ground and be able to engage in conversation. And, you know, I, I think, I wanna believe, and, and maybe I'm wrong, that the greater part of our country wants to do that. But I think they need to have the leadership to lead us that way. And I think the media needs to shift gears a bit here and, and, and start saying it's not in the best interest of this country. And if the media isn't willing to do that, then I think people who watch the media and the advertisers need to say, this is not the best way to go for our country or future. And I'll leave it as that. Thank you, Ray. Uh, Jan, last note. I think we all agree on what Ray just said. Um, and certainly I would agree with you, Ray, that envoys that we, we needed to go into Afghanistan. And, and there's no reason to not do that. But I think we could have done it in a much more precise technological way um, rather than going to war for 20 years because there's still terrorists there. They may be in charge of the government at this point. We haven't really advanced the ball at all with all the lives lost and the countless Afghanistan, Afghanistanis who have died in their own country. You know, uh, it's just, to me, it's, it's a shame. All right, thank you. I know this is a sober moment to end the podcast on. We never promised that we, we could bring a tidy bow to these messy subjects. Uh, but I hope that you've, I hope you've gotten something out of our ability to disagree with each other, stay friends and stay connected as Americans. Uh, we wish you uh, a good and safe weekend. Uh, and we hope you spend a little bit of time uh, with us also commemorating the significance of the event and the memory of those who perished. Um, and we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Take care.